Equipping your church for personal ministry on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. And this week on the podcast, I am delighted to have with me one of our board members, a certified ACBC member, Andrew Rogers. Andrew teaches at Boyce College in Louisville, Kentucky. He's been there for a couple of years, and he now serves, as many of you, our listeners, would remember, as the executive director for OIC, the Overseas Instruction in Counseling. Uh, he's also married to Jenny, has four children. Andrew, I'm super glad that you're here, and I'm, I'm really glad about your new role uh, as the executive director of OIC, and uh, look forward to the topic that we're going to talk about today. Now, as we think about this idea of equipping churches, you guys uh, who listen regularly, you hear me talk a lot about church and my my love and uh, the necessity to think about the churches that we minister to as the culture, as having a culture of care. And I think that's something that we need to consistently revisit um, often as we think about how we're equipping churches, how we're thinking about churches. And... I want more churches to think in terms of biblical counseling. I want more churches to think in terms of equipping and offering legitimate care. Um, but Andrew, as, as you and I even have talked uh, outside of this podcast, is sometimes we have to be cautious and, and maybe even offer a warning to churches in the way in which they think about counseling, ministry, in the way in which they think about uh, the care that they offer. Um, and historically, churches have kind of fluctuated back and forth in so many ways. Talk about uh, what we should be warned against in some of our churches as we pursue the idea of caring, caring well, and even the thoughts of counseling ministry. Sure. I think that for the most part, many of us get very excited about the idea of having a counseling ministry in our church. What we need to be aware of, or at least uh, concerned about, is whether or not we are looking at that counseling ministry as the true test about whether our church is a has a culture of biblical counseling or a culture of discipleship, meaning are the people of the church taking responsibility to speak the truth in love to one another. Uh, that's what Paul talks about in the church, about the church in Ephesians 4, that the church is is building itself up, and that's as every part is being equipped and every part is doing its part. And so what we need to be careful with is are we looking at the fact that we have a formal counseling ministry, and we should be excited about that if we have that, but are we looking at that and then saying that's it? Because we have a formal counseling ministry, our people are counseling and equipping and discipling one another. And, and that's the careful concern. And I think part of that is just the issue of just kind of as you look over history, certainly Jay Adams came on the scene because pastors were abdicating their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Let's call the pastors back to shepherding personally. And um, and a number of churches did that. But then you had some that weren't doing that, and they were outsourcing that counseling to secular organizations, and they were convicted of that. So they just continued outsourcing, Then, but they, continued, they outsourced to Christian counseling. And then they realized, oh, that's not so good. Okay, so now we'll outsource the biblical counseling. And then they thought, oh, but we're still outsourcing. We're still sending them outside the church. So let's bring the biblical counseling ministry into the church and thinking that, oh, now we've taken care of it. But what we're in effect doing is we're just kind of outsourcing in-house or in-house outsourcing. 
And what happens is in some cases, our, our counseling ministries can actually, as much good as they're doing, yeah. they can actually hinder the church from being a disciple-making or creating a culture of disciple-making and counseling within the church. Man, that is a super helpful distinction. And I think what happens is unintentionally we get the cart before the horse and we allow that ministry to be the driver when I think it's best that we think about counseling ministry being an overflow of the natural disposition of the church, that we are a church who cares normally and organically through the scriptures. And counseling is for those moments of acute care, the necessity that happens. And so, uh, man, that's a, a really helpful warning, I think, for us, especially as we uh, think about what categorizes churches uh, as being true caring churches, or uh, is it just because they have a counseling ministry? So I appreciate that distinction. And so now as we kind of lay that distinction out, we give the warnings that are necessary. We, we see that with some clarity and some of the error that we could potentially move into, uh, especially as we're passionate about seeing people cared for well. What, what should churches do to communicate um, how to equip, how to do this caring well? What, what should churches do to, to help facilitate this type of equipping, this type of caring among their people well? It starts with conviction uh, from the leadership, from, from whether you have elders or you have deacons or pastors, but the spiritual leaders of the church are convicted that this is absolutely necessary for the church. Uh, in other words, do we, we understand what Paul is saying? There in Ephesians 4 in particular, that my role as a leader— I have an intended purpose, a specific purpose of equipping, and that is sufficiently supplying the saints, the people of the church for the works of ministry. And the work of ministry fundamentally is speaking the truth in love to another person. In other words, do the people in my – am I convicted that every person in my church knows how to open their copy of God's Word and minister to a particular person of a of varying issues, whether that's a non-believer who doesn't know the, know the gospel, can the people in my church open up their copy of God's Word and minister the gospel to the person, or it's a new believer and they need to understand the fundamentals of the faith, so can they open up their scriptures and explain that? Or it's, it's a believer who's struggling, because one of the natural consequences, if you, you take a a dead person, and they're made alive through the gospel, and they have the Holy Spirit in their life, they have a disposition that wants righteousness, but they're not exactly sure how to do it. One of the things that happens, it's a consequence of becoming a believer, you see your sin like you've never seen it before, and you begin to see habits that you've developed over time that are absolutely wrong and unrighteous. How do you deal with that? And so can our people come alongside one another, open their copy of God's Word, and help a fellow believer, brother or sister, walk through those issues and navigate those issues to the glory of God. You know, that's, I think that's critical. We, what we want to see, even in ACBC, what we want to see is uh, we want to see the church become a legitimate place that people who have issues would go to for care. Now, in the process, what we have to think about is, are churches ready? Are they equipped to accomplish this? Because naturally, when when God starts moving in a person's heart, they start reading the Word, exactly as you've just said. Uh, 
they're going to need somebody to care for them well. And we certainly don't want to set up a, a situation where the church is not ready, the church is not prepared uh, when we see people going to them for help and for hope. And, and ACBC can't accomplish that work. Our job is to uh, help encourage churches to accomplish that. So I, I want us to pay attention to the beauty of what you're saying and the necessity of of making sure churches understand their responsibility and equipping their people to accomplish this. Now, Having it ideologically is one thing. Being able to want to equip people uh, is another. It's a whole different issue altogether in thinking about the practicality of how do we give people who are sitting in our pews and in our chairs in the churches the confidence and the competence to do this type of face-to-face ministry? Yeah, it's a great question, and I think that's yeah, and that's the question that every leader should be posing to themselves and every member of a church should be posing to their leaders. So me as a leader, when I recognize my responsibility to equip, I must answer the question, what am I doing to sufficiently fashion and resource the people in my church to be able to minister the Word of God to one another? And then as a member of a church, I should be asking my leadership. So can you help me understand what are you offering or what are you doing to equip me to speak the truth in love? And I, and I think that can happen in a few different ways. Um, we can spend a lot of time talking about all the nuts and bolts and the details on how to make this happen and all the practicalities. But I would say, first of all, there's, a, there's an understanding within the church that everyone is responsible at some level to be involved in biblical counseling. And so when we talk about counseling others, when we talk about discipling others, when we talk about teaching others, do we talk about it as in the sense of like, Uh, When we're up and talking about, do we say, when you go and you're teaching somebody else or when you're discipling and when you're counseling as opposed to, hey, if you do it. No, no, no. Let's not say if. It's just when are you doing it and when you're doing it, you need to keep this in mind. So there's a sense that everything that's coming from the church, whether it's from the pulpit, whether it's from the stage or whether wherever it's coming from, there's this ongoing expectation in the way we talk that everyone's involved at some level. The other aspect of that, too, can be just if you practice membership, is it in the membership covenant? Is it explained? Is it detailed that every person is expected to care for one another and to know how to minister the word to one another? And then is that lived out in the sense that the church offers on a regular basis? I think I think just to give you just one quick story when our church at one point offered evangelism training, I had a, a lady come up and she was just distraught. And, and I asked her, well, why are you so distraught? She said, because I, I can't be there. I said, okay, well, uh, that's all right. I mean, another one's going to come around. <gasps> really? We're going to do another training? And I thought that one, I mean, I was glad that she was excited. The other side, oh, I'm a little sad. Because she was, I think, picking up on something that we tend to as churches Look at the equipping of people in ministry as something ancillary, as something as an addendum to our church ministry and not necessarily a a supreme and important part of it. So are you offering regular opportunities to train and equip your people in the ministry of the Word, from evangelism to uh, discipling new believers to counseling the believers that are struggling with particular issues, and is it regular? Is it ongoing? And that means this. Sometimes you host them, one or two people show up. Mm -hmm. Fine. We train the one or two, and guess what? We do it again. Mm -hmm. And and we just keep on doing it. It's part and parcel of, of who we are as a church.
Yeah, I think that's important because if you take a, a snapshot of any one point in the life of a church, you're certainly not going to get everybody at this one quote-unquote training. Is This has to be a part of the natural flow of the way churches are doing things. And honestly, like I, I think for we who do training all the time, it's easy for us to miss this aspect of what are we communicating relative to expectations? Are we really giving people the expectations at every level in church life, uh, that they should be engaged in this type of ministry. I, I think even the things that you've described uh, are attempts at us trying to give expectation, call people to what normal Christianity looks like. It should be others-focused in the way that we serve, uh, even in the way that we care for one another. So uh, if you're talking, let's boil this down to you're, you're speaking, having a personal conversation over coffee with a pastor, and you're describing some helpful things where he can raise the level of expectation for his people. You mentioned membership covenant. That may be one thing. Uh, what are some ways that you would say, brother, this is one of the ways I think you can help your people raise the level of expectation of what their duty is as you preach and equip them for ministry, how they engage in this type of ministry of care? Yeah, so uh, one of the basic things that they uh, a pastor can do is when he's preaching and teaching in any of the teaching ministries of that church, that there is a guideline in the sense of, uh, just think about Ezra and what was said of Ezra in Ezra 7.10, that he set his heart to study and to do it and to teach it. And you know as well as I know as a professor, you tell a student just read a book and they'll let, that might be all they do, which might you know basically involve one hour before the class, they just skimmed it. But if you tell them, okay, I need you to read it and then I need you to write out a four- to six-page paper on the impacts of the truths of that book on your life and ministry and how you're specifically going to apply it, you know they're going to read differently. But now what if you told them, you're going to need to be prepared at the next class, and I need you to teach three main points from that book? Oh, that changes the way I approach my study. So one of the most fundamental things a pastor can do is create that kind of a culture with his people, that everything that they hear, whenever they're reading the Scripture, listening to the Scripture uh, preached or taught, that there is an expectation on them, that they are expected to know what it means, they're expected to know how to apply it, and then they're expected to be able to explain it, proclaim it to someone else. So that would be one specific way that they could do that. The, the second thing is, are there opportunities to practice ministry? Because if, if he is going to go ahead and, and offer some of the training and equipping that's going on, are there also opportunities for them to actually go and practice it? In other words, you, Pastor, are you meeting with people by yourself, or is there somebody watching you? Mm -hmm. So one of the practices I've always had, if I'm visiting somebody in the hospital, somebody's with me. If I'm visiting somebody at a, at a state hospital, somebody's with me. If I'm being called into a situation uh, a crisis situation, somebody's with me. If I'm counseling somebody, if I'm sharing the gospel, it doesn't matter. If there's one-on-one, life-on-life, face-to-face ministry, I want to make certain that there's somebody else with me. There's always opportunity for the people in my congregation to be exposed to the face-to-face -face ministry of the Word. And then, not just exposure, but then there's opportunities for them to experience. So do we create? So sometimes that means we have to actually go out and create ministries to give people an opportunity. And I'll just shortly give you one illustration. When I started as a youth pastor, we started doing evangelism training, 
and I had a number of homeschooled students in my evangelism training, they could not do the very first assignment from the first lesson, which was to actually talk to somebody, a non-believer, about the gospel. They didn't have any non-believers in their life. Mm-hmm. So we began to recognize we need to provide an actual ministry opportunity. So we actually created three. We, we joined forces with Young Life and hosted or oversaw two wildlife uh, which is their middle school ministry, and we did a uh, coffee house right across the street from one of the local high schools, and that was awesome. We had 70 to 90 mostly non-believers at lunch every single day of the week, and our homeschoolers, they worked it. They could be there 30 minutes early to set up. They could stay 30 minutes late to clean up, and they intermingled and met with and talked to a most majority non-believers every time. So that was the creation of ministry to also provide the opportunity for the people that we're equipping to be exposed and to experience it on a regular basis. Andrew, this has all been so helpful just to, to think through some of the ways we, we equip, some of the expectations that we have, what we think qualifies us as a true discipling and caring church. So thank you so much for being here. It's been very helpful. You're welcome. Thank you. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, we talked about a lot on today's podcast, and there are so many resources that we offer on our website that, uh, that we talk about these types of issues, equipping pastors, helping pastors, helping lay people to think through uh, their role in ministry. And so we want to encourage churches. So if the topic of today's podcast is interesting to you, let me encourage you to go to our website and check out our resources at biblicalcounseling.com.